Good afternoon. Good morning. Well, that's part of my apologies. It's been a while since I've spoke. Let's open in our Bibles to Acts chapter 15. And as you open there, we continue our study in the book of Acts. And ask you this morning, ask you this morning, do you appreciate the word of God? I appreciate the word of God. I appreciate it for its accuracy. I appreciate the word of God because it's real. Some people put down people like David for his sin. It's stated in the Bible. And it's easy to, ref- to reply to that. God never approved of David's sin. He just states it accurately. God doesn't wash over it. And here we have a situation where it's, it's kind of uncomfortable, to be honest. And it's a little bewildering. It's an argument between two godly men. And we're going to cover it and we're going to talk about it. And we're going to see what the Lord has for us from it. Acts 15, beginning in verse 36. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they departed from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. TJ, could you get those lights? Get that power up for me. No, I don't know. Projector, would you? We're going to go over what we've been studying just real quickly. I got a little map here for those of you who can, who can, who can see it from where you're at. You can take a little while to warm up there. So we're studying the book of Acts. We passed the first missionary journey where Paul and Barnabas went to the regions of Galatia and spoke to the churches there. Here it's uh, coming to life. So that's the first missionary journey where they left Antioch, which is where Paul and Barnabas were ministering together, and they had went through here, the island of Cyprus, and as soon as they hit shore here at Perga, John Mark said, I've had enough of this. I'm out of here. And he went back home. Uh, I, I believe he went back to Antioch is what the, the context would tell us. And Paul and Barnabas went, to, went through to Antioch uh, over here. In, um, it's, it's almost like Asia, but it's not the same Antioch as here. I think it's Cilicia. And then Iconium and Lystra and Derby, and then back through and then back on to their home base of Antioch. And that was the first missionary journey we covered a couple weeks ago. Okay? And also what we covered was that the brethren, when they got back to Antioch, they heard false teachers talking about having to keep the law this is also going to come up in today's message. They needed to keep the law in order to be saved. That believing in Christ wasn't enough. And we looked at that last week when uh, we went over the book of Galatians. And uh, Dave, we had a chance to share that real thoroughly yesterday with a uh, couple of uh, uh, teenagers in ties and t-shirts riding around on 10 speeds. And we'll talk more about that later. But um, So that's what we have as a context leading up to this. So when... Uh, Paul and Barnabas went down to Jerusalem. 
it had things clarified. They had the decrees sent from the elders and apostles in Jerusalem back up from Jerusalem up to Antioch. And now that they have them there, things are clarified. You don't have to keep the law to be saved. It's by grace through faith alone. The only thing they asked was it's because there's Jews in certain areas, it would be nice if the Gentile believers stayed away from certain things that would stumble the Jews. Not that they had to keep these things to refrain from eating things with blood and things sacrificed to idols. You don't have to, to, do the, to keep that decrees to be saved, but not to stumble others could you refrain from these things. And so they took those decrees from Jerusalem back up to Antioch and share that, and they were encouraged. And that's where we pick it up here in verse 36. Paul says to Barnabas, let us, know, let us now go back and visit our brethren. Paul had a heart for people, didn't he? We talked about that. If you missed breaking the bread this morning, I'm, I'm sad that you did um, because he had a heart for people. I'd like to, uh, if you could, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 11. Maybe we get the lights there real quick, TJ. Thanks. Second Corinthians 11, starting in verse 22. The context here is people are questioning Paul's authority, and they're saying that they're, they have more authority than Paul. Paul says, you want to hear my authority about being a follower of Christ? Here's my badge. He says, verse 22, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys, often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the city in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Paul says, that's my badge. I don't know about those other guys. And he's not boasting. He's not bragging in himself. He's defending his authority. He said, they, well, they might have talked to somebody and they might have saturnated somebody, but here's what I've been doing for Christ. Here's what I've been doing for the people of God. You see? And what, 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 what to him is a culmination? He already talked about death, shipwreck, a day and night in the deep. I can't imagine. What to him is the, is the biggest mark of him being an apostle, serving the Lord Jesus Christ by serving his people? He says in verse 20, Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily? My deep concern for all the churches. You see? Did Paul love the people of God or what? He really did. He was committed, wasn't he? Now, that's what we have back here in Acts chapter 15, verse 36. He has a deep concern for them. But now we have a problem. Give a little more of a background. Who is Paul? He's the ex-Pharisee. Okay? I wouldn't be surprised if he was a little more hard-nosed about things, straight to the point. Let's go. Let's get on with this. 
He said, according to the law, he was blameless. He was used to being on top of things, getting things done right, and if he messed it up, he, he fixed it quick. And about the churches, he wants to go back to encourage them. He doesn't want anything to affect them or discourage them because he cares so much about these new believers. Remember, many times, he wasn't there very often. They were there for a short period of time, and the Lord led them to, to go on. He said, let's go back and visit them. But now we have his, his pal Barnabas. What do we remember about Barnabas? He was, he was named Barnabas by the apostles. And Barnabas means what? Son of encouragement. That's right. He was. He was an encouragement from the very beginning. He actually came from Cyprus. Where actually, he had some land there, and he sold that when he was in Jerusalem. You see? And he was one of those, those ones in the early church who sold and laid at the apostles' feet, and he just had that mentality. He was so encouraging. He was so encouraging. Uh, he was also a Levite of, of, uh, of that family. And it also turns out he was probably Uncle Barney to John Mark. Okay? They were either cousins or, or he was an uncle. I think he was more of an uncle. But I couldn't uh, get to the bottom of that relationship as, as I was studying. But they're definitely related. So here you have Paul hard-charging, going after for Christ, and you have Barnabas, this encourager. He's the one who went and got Paul. He's the one who got Paul and said to the elders who didn't want it, and the apostles in Jerusalem, we don't want this guy. Wait, wait, this guy's a persecuted church. And Barnabas went, go, went, he went and got Paul and said, no, look, this guy is saved. Listen to his testimony. I have heard it. He vouched for Paul. He brought him in. You see? And then later on when the the work's going on, going, on, going on up there in Antioch, and it's an exciting time, and, and things are happening there, and Barnabas goes, and it's an exciting thing. He didn't keep it to himself. He goes up just a little bit further up there in Tarsus, right up above there, and says, Hey, Paul, you got to come over here. There's some great stuff going on, and we need your help. You see? He was an encouragement. He brought people along. That's what he did. But now we have a problem, don't we? It says in verse 37, Barnabas was determined. And in verse 38, but Paul insisted. Now what are you going to do? I can hear the arguments. Can't you kind of hear the arguments? As they're, as they're talking about this and going back and forth, Barnabas is saying, Paul, don't we serve a God of, of second chances? Paul is saying, we're going to encourage these churches, not discourage them. Remember how discouraging it was when he gave up on us, Barnabas? He's not going to do that, Paul. He's repenting. I've talked to him. Believe me, I know this guy. Don't worry about it. He's, he's going he's to stick it out this time, Paul. Barnabas, the Proverbs say, confidence in an unfaithful man during time of trouble is like a bad tooth and a foot out of joint. Can't do it. We gotta do the work of God or we can't have this one as a liability. Wait a second. Wait a second, Paul. Didn't the word of the Lord come to Jonah the second time? Hey, Barnabas, the Lord said himself, when a man puts his hand to the plow, if he looks back, he's not fit for the kingdom. 
wait a second, Paul. Didn't Peter get restored after he denied the Lord? What are you going to do? Who's right? Who's wrong? Let's take a vote real quick. Who here thinks Paul's right? Go ahead, raise your hand if you think Paul's right. There's, there's, there's no, we won't be corrected. Okay, who here thinks Barnabas is right? Okay, we got, we got I don't know, maybe about a dozen or so. Think Barnabas is right? Who thinks they're both right? Who thinks they're both wrong? We got a couple of those. How many just don't know? Well, I'm with you last ones. It's tough. It's tough. Do you know the biggest reason why missionaries leave the mission field? It's close. It's because they can't get along with one another. It's not the people. It's not the diseases. It's not the work itself. They can't get along with one another. We're supposed to be known by our love but then, you know, there's the reality of everyday life. What can we learn from this situation? Well, you think Paul was, Paul was wrong. We're going to see. He picks up a new disciple. The rest of the books of Acts is basically a chronology of his life and service for the Lord. Could he be that wrong and maybe out of fellowship with God and be that used? I don't know. I don't know. All the epistles that he wrote. Barnabas. Maybe Barnabas was wrong. He's hardly mentioned again in the New Testament. But look at what he does. He retrains Mark. You know what he does? Got those lights real quick, TJ. He takes Mark. Remember Mark went this way in the first one? Guess what? On the second journey for Barnabas and Mark, Barnabas says, okay, we're going straight back to that island, Mark. With the sorcerer and the magistrate and the governor and all that, we're going to go right back through it. Who does that remind you of when you blow it the first time? They take you right back to step one and make you go right through it again, all over again? Reminds you of the Lord, doesn't it? Reminds you of the Lord. It's a tough call. You know, I don't know, but the Lord knows. And I'm thankful he can use us in spite of these things. He uses us in, in spite of our, our insistence and our determination. The thing I received from this when I was studying it is, if I'm going to use the word determined, I better make sure that's from the Lord, not from my own predisposition. If I'm going to use the word insist, am I insisting? Or is it really the Lord that's insisting? These are, these are big-name Christian workers in the early church. There could have been a big problem here. If this happens in the church, it's a really big problem. That's the other thing I got out of this is pray. Pray for the elders and the deacons to have like-mindedness. That's what the Bible talks about. how beautiful it is when brethren dwell in unity 
You see? So the Lord used this as we look through here in verses 30, uh, 39 and 40. That Paul chose Silas and Barnabas took Mark. And you see what they did? They went counter direction to encouraging the churches, right? So the Lord used this situation where they couldn't come to an agreement to multiply the parties going out to do the work of God. Now that's the Lord right there. That's the Lord right there, taking a hard situation and making something good out of it. So let's go on to our next disciple. Uh, chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. Then, then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith, and increased in number daily. Okay. So now we have a new young disciple. His name is Timothy. I'm going to tell you, this guy's a great example. If you look at this guy's, one thing you cannot question about Timothy is his commitment. Okay. Let's look at his background. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Someone can read that for us. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Whenever you get there, just go ahead and read it out loud. Good, strong voice. Okay, good. This guy grew up in a good Christian home. Now, it probably wasn't Christian as he was growing up, but it was a God-fearing home, wasn't it? It was believers. His grandmother, Eunice or Eunice, and his mother, Lois. So he grew up in a good Christian home, sincere faith, good background. Also, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. Can someone read that for us? Just a little left turn in your Bible there, a couple chapters. 1 Timothy 1, verse 2. Did Paul already know Timothy? Well, Timothy already knew Paul, that's for sure. You read that for us, Eric? 1 Timothy 1, 2. To Timothy, thank you. To Timothy, a true son in the faith. We believe is what happened with Timothy was he got saved under the, the preaching of the Apostle Paul on the first missionary journey. So he was familiar with Paul and maybe Paul with him as well. And also we have there in, in uh, the Lystra and Iconium in that area. Christina, go ahead, go ahead and go to that second, uh, that second one. Go ahead and go down. There you go. So you got 
Paul and Silas coming up through here, go up to Lystra, Derby, Iconium, and that's where they meet up with Timothy. This guy has got a good reputation. I mean, his reputation spreads across cities. And as far as I could tell, the time difference between the first and second missionary journey is not that long. This young man got saved, and he was serving the Lord. Matter of fact, I think if you asked him, Timothy, what's your passion? You're a young man. You've got passions. You love things. You love to do things and put all your energy into it. What do you love to do the most? What do you think Timothy would say? I love the Lord Jesus Christ. I love to serve him. I love to talk to people about him. The opportunities I get, the energies I have, I want to do that. Matter of fact, I don't even think you could probably get that out of Timothy. I think he was a little more timid. But you know what? You wouldn't have to ask him. You would see it in his life. His passion was Christ. And it spoke to people in multiple cities. So when Paul came through, he stumbled across this Timothy and the brother said, that's a good man right there. Good young man who could use some input. If you're, if you're a young person here today, that's your goal. To be on fire for Christ. It might just be in the, lo- in the little locale where the Lord has you. But if the Lord is your passion, you're not in love with your love for the Lord, you're just in love with the Lord. You won't have to talk about it. People will see it. The Lord will use you, and then he'll use you. Who knows where else? Timothy was a good man. We also see that he was a, a good man of what he was willing to do. His mother was Jewish, and in the, the culture of that day, in the Jewish culture, that would make him Jewish, but he wasn't circumcised. You see? So that would make him kind of incomplete to the Jewish culture. You think, Charlie, I'm getting confused. Didn't Paul, didn't Paul just figure out that you didn't need to be circumcised to be saved? That's exactly right. You don't need to be circumcised to be saved. Then why is he doing this to Timothy? And why is Timothy going for it? Because it says it right here. Verse 3. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. See? Paul and Timothy had a shared vision. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, I want to become all things to all men. And he says, to the Jews, I am a Jew. Well, for Timothy, that became a little more of a literal reality. And a physically painful reality, too. He was willing to do that so that he could relate, so he could be accepted, so he could go into the synagogues with Paul and speak to them and be heard. That's commitment. That's commitment. So how do we know that God is with Paul, giving this breakup and now picking up a young man? Look at verse 5. You see this all throughout the book of Acts. What happens when, when, when the believers are doing the right thing? So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in numbers daily. What a, what a balanced, beautiful verse. They were strengthened in the faith. They themselves got stronger in what they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he teaches and who he is and following him by these examples of Paul and Timothy and what they're willing to do for Christ. And also... Numerically, it increased. God blessed them that way as well. 
Okay, now that they've picked up Paul and Silas have left Antioch and they've picked up Timothy here. Now they start working their way northwest. Verse 6. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now we're going to take this slowly. We're going to come down here. So they're coming up through here. It doesn't say Antioch and Derylium. That was this map maker's uh, extrapolation what they probably did. But the reality is when they left Iconium and Lystra area, they couldn't go in here. This is Asia. But the Holy Spirit wouldn't let them go in there. Okay. Verse 7, after they'd come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, going up this way, so they couldn't make a left-hand turn. So, okay, we'll go right to Bithynia. But the Spirit did not permit them either. So passing by Mysia, they came to Troas, right around there. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, including the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Macedonia would be over here. See, it's up there. Macedonia. Present-day Greece. Who better to know the best place to put the seed than the gardener? Right? The Lord talked about people talked about the field is the world and there's different soils out there here the lord is showing paul don't go that way and don't go that way why well we know churches are going to get planted here but you know what maybe they're not ready yet maybe someone else is going to go over here that the lord's raising up that's the thing that got me is how's he how's he move up out through all this territory and not stop and talk to every thing that moves about christ it's because he's being led by the Spirit of God to do exactly what the Lord wants him to do instead, not what he thinks. See, if it was me, I would just stop and go inch by inch. The Lord says, okay, I want you to go that way. What about, don't worry about that. What about, I've got that covered. You go that way. And I really appreciated seeing the example of Paul. And it's, it's, a, it's a challenge to me. Am I close enough to Christ to hear the promptings of the Holy Spirit to be that directed? And let the Lord take care of the rest. We finished encouraging the, the churches here. And giving them the decrees. And now they're going this way. And the Lord gives them. He, it's, it's interesting. The Lord didn't speak to Paul directly. He gives him a vision of a man of Macedonia. Dressed like a Macedonian. I don't know what that's like. But he did. You know. Certain people around the world have certain distinct dress. Right? And that appealed to Paul I think. Oh, I know where that, I know where he's from. Wow, he needs the Lord. You see? Again, that human touch, the Lord put right in front of Paul. Also, a couple of things to notice here in verses, uh, 8 and 10. We picked up somebody. Anybody catch that? Somebody's joined the group. Somebody else besides Michael. Michael told me who it is, but I don't think anybody else heard. The Holy Spirit's been leading him the whole time, thankfully. We would hope. They picked up a, a person, though. Picked up Luke. You see that? Verse 8. They came to Troas. Verse 10. 
Immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, leaving Troas. Okay? And I like the way Luke puts that at the end. Concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel. Sometimes you don't need to have the direct vision yourself. Maybe the Lord gives it to somebody else. But you can feel led to throw in your lot with that party and say, the Lord's leading us together. I know where you're going. And I, I, I feel the Lord's leading me with you. They might have had the vision, but you're there with them as a co-worker. Okay, verse 11. You want to at least give us one light there, TJ. See if that helps. That's pretty good. Verse 11. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Tham- Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. It, to me, it's, it's awesome. The Lord's got it all figured out, and he's putting all the, the, the pieces of the chess game right where he wants them. You see? The important part is just to be on the same page with the Lord. Be like-minded with what the Lord Jesus is doing here. So they go from Troas, Samothrace. Next day they came to Neapolis. And again, why aren't they stopping there? The Lord hasn't led them to stop there. They might have spoke to try and get up to the main part of Macedonia, which would be up here. And Philippi is the chief city there. Because it's a colony. I think specifically what that's talking about is it's a Roman colony. We talked about that when we studied Philippians way back when. Is that if you were born in Philippi, even though this is Greece, if you were born in the city of Philippi, because of its history, you're instantly a Roman citizen. If you're a Greek culturally, you're considered a Roman citizen. You got citizenship by being Philippian. And it was one of the, the foremost city in that area of Macedonia. But here, we're in a situation, there's no synagogue. We know Paul, Paul's habit was to go into the synagogue and talk about Jesus from the Old Testament. Show that Jesus is the Christ. Show why you should believe in him. But we don't have a synagogue. You see, now here's Jerusalem. Down here. So here's the center of Judaism. And here, what I call a long ways away. Okay, you're starting to get away from main part of Judaism. Now, you're still going to see synagogues in this area and down here in Ephesus and Corinth, but it's not going to be as prevalent. I think the situation we have here is on the Sabbath, you couldn't go to the synagogue. You have, you have to have enough men to start a synagogue. And if you don't, you can't have one. But here we have God-fearing women. Coming by the riverside up here in Philippi, you know, and who knows? I bet you they didn't miss synagogue life if, if it was like most synagogues where there was seemingly few believers. But we come across a gem. Her name is Lydia. She was a seller of purple from Thyatira, which, by the way, is 
was very well known for that. They still find ruins today. Thyatira, guess what, is over here. Let's see if we can find it. Well, up or down? Is that, there, is that right there? It's right here in Asia somewhere. Okay? Isn't that interesting? She's from Asia, but she's over there in Philippi. Paul goes through, doesn't stop in Asia, and hits a woman from Asia over here in Philippi. See? The Lord's got it all figured out. The Lord's got it all figured out. Maybe the Lord was going to save her here and through her connections, family and friends, just like us, have a witness back in here to prepare hearts inside Asia. She, this is the best thing about her. She worshipped God. You catch that? It says Lydia, who worshipped God. She wasn't into the forms, the outward appearance. She truly knew the Lord. Then, well, let me, I'm sorry, let me clarify that. She, she truly knew the Lord as far as she could, but she didn't hear the gospel yet. She needed to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's when Paul spoke to her. And I love this phrase, the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. You know what someone needs in order to be saved? The Lord's got to open their heart. We, we've had Bible studies with folks and we presented the Bible, started at the beginning, went through weeks and weeks and weeks, you know, and it was like, boom, boom, fall off a wall, you know? You, you could share it again and again, it wouldn't make any difference. Well, you say, why hasn't the Lord opened their heart? Well, where are they at with the Lord? Are they there just to be cultural and friendly? Or do they really want to know the Lord? You see, she worshiped God. She was seeking the Lord. She was ready. She was prepared. She was that good soil that the Lord was leading Paul to to share the gospel. And she got saved. Not only her, but her, she got baptized and her, her whole household. Some people would say, oh, well, then that means if, you, if I get saved, my whole household should get baptized. Is that right? Some people believe that. We don't we don't let that one hang on the edge till we get to the next section. All right? Because the next the next passage is going to clarify that for us. But I appreciate the fact that she, the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken to her by Paul. She was prepared. I want to share with you some of you don't know, some of you do. There's a gal named Rosemary. She's an assistant to a brother goes to Fairhaven. She's a, this brother works uh, with uh, the disabled and she works for him as his assistant under the state county uh, welfare system. And you know what? She's just tired of her sin. She's convicted about her sin. We were sharing the Bible with her the other day and uh, I, I've never heard of this. Stacy and I heard it probably the first time. We were going through the stranger class and she said, can we meet every night and talk about this? Have you ever had anyone ask you that before? Yeah, Rick's, Rick's not in his head, but it's fairly few and far between, isn't it? It's few, it's few and far between with me, you know? That's, that's the Lord. That's the Lord preparing a heart, I think. Pray for Rosemary. She seems to be understanding the things that are being spoken to her from the Word of God. Okay, going on to verse 16. 
Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the, said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Another pattern we see in the book of Acts, right? Lord's led Paul, Paul and Silas all the way from here, all the way up there, and, and they, they find some God-fearing folks over there in, in Philippi, and Lydia gets saved. Her and her whole, and her whole household get baptized, right? All right, progress. Right, right when you see progress in the book of Acts, right after that comes what? Opposition. Some pushing back. Here, it's no, no, nothing less than a demon. Inside a slave girl. Imagine, imagine the life of that slave girl. Yeah, I, I don't think we can. I think it's lost in us. Possessed by a demon. That was her life. And, and, and the, the male figures she had in her life as a demon-possessed girl were two men trying to use her. Or at least two men trying to use her. What a horrible life. What a horrible life. But here she's going after the apostles. That's the last thing you need is a demon being your PR person. Right? If you want PR, don't get it from a demon. And so I don't know how Paul did it. Paul put up with it for days. Wow. That must have been spirit-led because I couldn't do it for I don't know how long. That would be, um, that's amazing to me. I titled this section of the message, No Good Deed Goes Unpunished. Got that from an expression of a guy at work. You ever had that, that feeling? You're trying to do something good, you get it all done, and the person, especially the person you're trying to do it for, right? And they come around and whack. I didn't want that done, or you didn't do that right, or what about this or that, or why didn't you do this instead? You know, that ever happened to you? Yeah, it happens. Here they're doing a good thing, releasing a demon-possessed girl, and we got these these businessmen. You know, people will talk about customs and cultures, but what when people really get bothered by the Lord, you know what it comes down to? It comes down to the green stuff. That's when they don't like it. You start affecting their pocketbook. Whoa, 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 wait a second now. Can't let God touch my money. 
And you hear the you hear the, the charges they trumped up. Oh, these guys are up up uproaring the whole city. <laughs> no, they just bothered you and your prophet. They bothered you and your cash cow. And you see, and there's that thing about being Romans. There in verse 21, we're Romans. They shouldn't do that. They're teaching us foreign customs, and we're Romans. And they beat Paul and Silas. You know what's interesting, though? It's what's not here. You see what's not there? What do Paul and Silas do about this? What do they say in protest? What do they proclaim as far as their rights? You don't see it, do you? You don't see it. And I'm so glad they didn't, because then we wouldn't have the next passage. Verse 25. Put on your seatbelts now, because this is just blow you away. It blows me away. Here they're beaten. You know what stocks are? They got their feet in the, it's like you see in the movies, you know? They got their feet in the things that hold their feet down, probably their hands too. Very uncomfortable, and you're supposed to sleep or something, I don't know. Stay up all night. Looks like staying up all night is going to be the, the method tonight, right? And, and that's how you're in prison, in the inner jail. Like criminals. Because they healed somebody. Okay? Let me ask you, what's usually your attitude like? When you've done something good and someone's really beat you up hard for it, and you're in the doghouse. Listen to this. Verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. <laughs> I can tell you, I can tell fairly, fairly good confidence, all those prisoners knew what those guys were in there for. Does word spread fast amongst prisoners, Angelo? They'd all talk. Oh, those are religious guys. They did. They helped out with some demons. That's girl. I don't know why they're here. You know, they give each other about everyone being innocent. But they said, actually, those guys are innocent. You know. Look at that. Paul and Silas praying and singing hymns to God. There's a word I looked up a long time ago. It's called meekness. I found, a, I found a really decent definition. I just kind of, Lord, bur- burned it in my brain because I need to keep remembering it because I keep forgetting it in my practical life. Meekness is you see every trial and situation in life as coming from the hands of a loving Heavenly Father and you receive it from Him because you know He's filtered it first. You receive it from Him without grumbling or complaining. That's pretty tough. That's the life of faith, isn't it? That's saying, Lord, I'm not going to look at what I feel like. I'm not going to think about the, the whip on my back. In fact, if anything, I'm going to be happy. I've been counted worthy to suffer for Christ's sake. And I'm going to trust you with all this, knowing this is all under your control. Hey, Silas, which song do you want to sing first? You know? I don't know. How about this one? Can you start me off? All right. And they just start singing. And they just start praising the Lord. And they just start praying. What's the last time you think that jail has heard prayers and singing at midnight from spirit-filled godly men? 
But that wasn't the only shakeup. I think the real shakeup is what God did. You think God cares when his people respond to what he allows in that way? Boom! He had an earthquake to that place. They were shaking it up with their testimony and he shook it up literally. I think that was, that's the, that was the most, that was the best thing to do. Lord always does just the, the most appropriate right thing. And the Lord just shook it all up so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Verse 26. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. That's great news, right? All right, the Lord's clearing them up for Paul and Silas. They should be in there anyway. Just like Peter, they're going to get to walk out, right? Nope. That's not what it was for. There was still one who was listening, but they hadn't done anything. The one who was on the edge, who needed to go over the edge and come to the Lord. And this earthquake, I think, helped do it. Verse 27, And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Let's face it, if you're the, if you're the warden, you wake up and all the doors are open, and everybody's gone. To say you lost your job is an understatement. You might as well do yourself in because somebody's going to be coming. They want to know who bought you. And it's unfortunate you're still here. So he drew his sword, was about to kill himself, verse 27 and verse 28. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Wow. Wow. Now that's a miracle. You want to talk about a ward and seeing a miracle. All the doors are open, all the chains are off, and not a prisoner is gone. What's the chance of that happening, Angelo? Between, somewhere between slim and none. That's a miracle. You know what? That broke that jailer in half. It broke him. You see? There's no doubt in my mind he was convicted when he was putting these guys in the stocks. I bet you he went to sleep listening to Paul and Silas and God's been working on his heart and he ran in called for light and he ran in and verse 29 fell down trembling before Paul and Silas verse 30 and he brought them out and said sirs what must I do to be saved you see he had prisoners in inside the jail but see he knew he was a prisoner inside his heart this man knew he had a problem he knew he needed to be saved. Any one of those prisoners would like to get out of that jail. This man wanted to get away from his sin and the punishment of his sin. I love this answer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Beautiful. Beautiful. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he, he and all his family were baptized. Ah, you see. Verse 32. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And then all of them were baptized. It's not household baptism. It's household hearing and getting saved and then getting baptized. 
and took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Verse 34, Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Isn't that great? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You and all your household. Anyone else who will believe, they'll be saved too. It's not quite the same uh, as the situation here, but we had the, 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 the cleanup duty here at the chapel yesterday. And um, I knew the date had switched. And I obviously hadn't told my wife, my right hand, and my partner in cleanup, John Mulgrew, my other right hand. And the day before, I went, uh, did I tell you guys that? And they went, no. Oh, I'm sorry. If you could make it at all, I'd appreciate it. And, I, and they both work for hours. And in the midst of that situation, you think, well, Charlie, you got to speak the next day, and you got this and that going on, and you know what? The Lord knows. And I was, we, John and I were talking about that and walking towards, a, towards a, the front here, and there's a little bush out there. And if you've ever seen a Charlie Brown Christmas, you know what a Charlie Brown Christmas tree looks like, right? looks like a bunch of sticks. Well, that's what all that was left of this bush because it was just infested with weeds. And we were using power tools and going to town for hours and everything was going great. But you come to this bush and you got to do it by hand. You know, we were having a good time of fellowship and we walk up and put down the power tools and we start pulling on the weeds. Well, that's just when Elder Coons and Elder so-and-so come around the corner and they're 10 speeds, you know. And we said, hi. And they said, hi. And I kind of looked back and I saw them pulling a Yui. I said, Lord, help us help these guys. Before I could finish, John was already talking to him. I tell you, it's so good to sit there and, and tell people who are working hard. They're out there peddling bikes and, and going all over the place, knocking on doors and getting them slammed in their face. Telling them, you don't have the truth. That's the problem. The truth is salvation by grace through faith alone. And going back to the scriptures. Going back to the book of Galatians, Dave. Boy, I, I told him at the end, I said, tell you what, you go study the book of Galatians and come back and we'll talk. You know? It was great to just be able to say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Because he said, oh, well, you know, we're trying our best. We're working hard. You know? We don't know. You can't know for sure. As you sit here this morning, aren't you glad you can know for sure? I write these things to you that you may know you have eternal life. Praise the Lord. Let's finish with this passage here in verse 35. So they've had a wonderful night. Boy, I'd love to have been flying that wall that night. You wouldn't get a wink of sleep and who would want it? Verse 35. And when it was day, the magistrate sent the officer saying, Ah, oh, let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. Paul, but Paul said to him, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. Now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. Somebody's in some serious hot water. These folks have blown it, you see. But you know what Paul and Silas didn't do? They didn't say that at the beginning. Now, if it was you or me... And they were using being Romans as an attack. Wouldn't you use Romans as being a defense? Wait, I'm a Roman too. Wait a second now. Let's get a fair hearing. But they didn't do that, did they? 
They were led by the Lord to go through this, take the beating, and watch God work miracles. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to go through the situation? And this is the hardest thing for me. Zip it. But, but, but I meant it. I didn't mean it. Nope. Just zip it. And let the Lord work miracles. Now that the miracles are over, there's something else at stake here. What I like about this example in Philippi, Paul is not defending himself. To me, there's nothing more unattractive spiritually than a believer trying to defend their own rights. Look at Jesus. Did he have any rights? He had plenty. He defended none of them. We don't have any rights to defend. But this is different here. It's not himself he's defending. He is there as representatives of Christ. They are there as representatives of Christ. And they have the church there that's growing. Now they're trying to shoo them away like common criminals out the back door. Paul goes, nope, we're having a good time here. We're going to stay. Hey, Sajan, any more tunes? Any more songs? We didn't do anything wrong, you see. Because of the name of Christ would take a black eye if they would have went out the back door like common criminals. And Paul knew it. And he wanted to show them they were wrong. Because they were claiming to be Romans. He was a Roman too, by birth. And they should not have beat him. Verse 38, And the officers told, those, told these words to the, to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to, <laughs> sorry. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. I, I can't say that, but with a laugh. You please leave, please. Just, just, just leave. Don't go away mad. Just please go away. That's the Lord. That's the Lord right there, front and back. Let's pray. Lord, we do want to thank you for how you're in total control. And Lord, you have an incredible master plan. And Lord, we see today that it's ours to be in tune with you. To know when to be quiet and when to speak up. When not to go left or to go right, but to keep going straight, right behind you. And Lord, we just ask for a sensitivity. Lord, if there's things in our lives, Lord, we ask that you take them out of the way. We want to be like Timothy and Paul and our passion would be Christ and all these other things would fade into what they are, insignificant. Lord, speak to our hearts that we might emulate these who emulated you, Lord, who followed you. And our lives, as it were, would crackle with the electricity of a spirit-filled life. Lord Jesus, you said you will build your church and if the gates of hell will not prevail against it, neither will the cults nor American apathy nor anything else. We know you're building your church today in this area. Lead us, Lord, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.